Welcome to a podcast from Alive Church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. Excellent. So I'm a, uh, now's the message. There's a message bit now. So, uh, so I'd encourage you to, uh, to uh, take out your Bibles and your notepads as well to... Uh, uh, to write things down and to, uh, and to follow along. Starting today with a question, though, right? And the question is this. Do you really know what you think you know? Do you really know what you think you know? And the reason that I'm bringing this challenge for us is because, um, uh, it's, because it's a challenge that God has given me recently, personally, and, uh, and, and he's, he's challenged me with this. And so I thought that I would uh, bring this challenge this challenge to us. Do you really know what you think you know? When I, uh, when I um, found out that I was um, bringing the word for us today, I uh, prayed to God. I asked God, say, God, can you give me something amazing? Say, God, what do you want to bring to your church? What do you want to speak into your church uh, in this moment of time? And I said, can it be something really amazing, something really juicy, like a fresh revelation that no one else has had before, you know, just me and you, and so I can bring this, and then we can, uh, as a church, we can enjoy this together, and, uh, and that'll all be really great. And, uh, and God answered my prayer. And as God often does, God answered my prayer in a way that was different but better and far more meaningful and impactful than I had expected and that I had previously wanted. I find that God does that a lot, hey? I'm going to pray. Lord, we thank you that you uh, speak to us. Thank you uh, for your holy word in written form through your Bible. Thank you that you continue to reveal yourself to us uh, every day uh, that we live on this planet. We ask, Lord, that, uh, that you would speak to us this morning. We ask that you would speak to your church uh, this morning in this room. And that your church would hear from you this morning, not because of me, but in spite of me. Amen. Amen. So, do you really know what you think you know? You know, I think it's really humbling when, uh, when God gives us a fresh revelation. You know, a new or, or, or a, a, a refreshed revelation from something uh, that we had previously known. And, um, you know, often when I'm reading the Bible uh, or listening to a podcast or doing something else equally as holy, I, uh, I can sometimes skip over uh, things because I'm like, yeah, 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 I know that. I know that. That's fine. I know that. I don't need to. And then who knows that it's in these types of moments, in these sorts of moments, that God can really speak into your life and say, mm, do you, though? Do you really know what you think you know? Do you really know what you think you know? <clears throat> and I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm not talking about stuff that we know in our heads. See, stuff that we know in our head, that's great, and that helps us get through life, doesn't it? You know, how to cook. Not very good at that one. How to drive. How to do maths. Not good at that one either. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, memory verses as well in the Bible. You know, if you can reel off some memory verses, then you look really super spiritual at that point, don't you? Uh, but uh, all of this is head knowledge, and all this is great. And, uh, but what I'm talking about here is not head knowledge. The head knowledge is great for getting us through life, uh, but, uh, but it's the knowledge that we hold in our hearts. It's the knowledge that we hold in our souls and in the very being of who we are uh, that really gives us life and really uh, that we live from. And so I think, <clears throat> I think this, this message that I have for us this morning is really important 
to be honest, to this body of people. And, uh, and, and <laughs> I think God needs to say some, some things uh, to people this morning. And, um, and Lord, I just pray that, that, that you allow me to help you do that. We're in Matthew 8, um, 8 uh, 23 to 26. I'll read. Um, where's my Bible? Brinkley, pass me. Thank you. <clears throat> I'll read. <clears throat> then he got up. Uh, sorry, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. So we're talking about Jesus calming the storm here. And, um, and uh, you know, some of you might be saying, oh, what? Jesus calming the storm? This is like Sunday school material. Kind of give me something juicy. Give me something, you know, end times revelation. And I'm sorry if, if, if there's anyone here that's, that might be feeling that way um, this morning about bringing a message about um, Jesus calming the storm. Uh, I'm not sorry that I'm bringing the message because I feel like this message is, is, is for us, okay? I feel like this message is for us. But I am sorry that you feel that way. And so I'd ask, I'd ask, I'd encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to minister to you this morning. So, uh... So we're in the situation, uh, Jesus and the disciples get into a boat and they decide to, uh, to Jesus says that we're going to cross, uh, we're going to cross the sea. Now, the Sea of Galilee, okay, is, uh, I mean, sea is a bit of a grandiose term, really. Uh, it's, it's a lake. It's a big lake, but it's a lake, uh, really, nonetheless. And, uh, and it's actually a, uh, a lake that, that, that I've been to, and a, a few of us here have actually uh, been fortunate enough to go to Israel and, and to see some of the things, including uh, the Sea of Galilee. There's a picture. There's me. <laughs> right, sea of Galilee there, look. And then the next one, there's... Sorry, can you see? There you go. There's me and Sam, look. Aww, aren't we cute? Uh, and then, there you go. That's the, the sea. And, uh, and actually, the next one, this is really interesting. It's not really to do with this, but um, the next one is this. You can't really see. This is, a, this is a boat. They found this boat in the bottom of, uh, in the Sea of Galilee quite recently. And they've dated this boat back to uh, somewhere between 100 BC and, and about 100 AD. So this, this is the kind of boat. And, you know, they've sort of put a skeleton around it to keep it from falling apart. But this is the kind of boat that, uh, that Jesus and his disciples would have uh, crossed this, this Sea of Galilee in so the sea of galilee it's not a big lake but uh, but it can it can have within it uh, it can have uh, some sizable storms uh, the reason for that is because it's actually 700 meters below sea level and so it's, it's surrounded by sort of high uh, high mountains and the cold, cool air comes off the mountains and it comes down and meets with the warm air at the, at the surface of the of the lake and it causes you know disturbances and ultimately ultimately storms so, uh, so, so there's, and, and, and that's what happens in this, in this situation. It's a sudden storm. These so storms are very sudden, and they come from nowhere. Now, I find it actually... Um it's actually quite, uh, quite, quite interesting that, that the disciples would be on this lake at this time. 
See, the disciples were, uh, were professional fishermen, uh, a lot of them were anyway, um, and certainly it's thought that the ones that were in this boat at this time were professional fishermen. And so, uh, so they would have known about the storms, they would have known that these things could happen. And, uh, and the Bible says in, in Mark 4.35, uh, in Mark 4, this same story is recorded uh, from sort of two different um, uh, perspectives. Uh, it's actually in Luke as well. Um, it's not in John, but it's in um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, uh, and in Mark 4.35, it says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. So it's in the evening, and actually the evening is one of the, um, one of the worst times to cross this particular sea. It gets really quite choppy. But Jesus is in charge. He's leading the party. And so he, um, he, uh, he instructs, and they cross. At the time when they're on the seashore, there's no sign of a storm um, because if there were, then there would have been some, uh, you know, some, um, some, some pushback. Oh, Jesus, are you sure we should cross the sea? Because there's a storm going on here. I'm not sure about this. Um, but we don't read any of that. And so I'm pretty sure, though it's not specifically uh, said in the Bible, that there wasn't a storm, uh, any chance of a storm at the time uh, that they were getting in the boat. So this storm came, came as a bit of a surprise. Bit of a surprise. Except it wasn't a huge surprise. <clears throat> because, uh, because as we say, the, uh, the disciples knew of storms and Jesus was leading the way. And who knows that Jesus is God. And Jesus is omniscient. That's part of being God. So he would know that this storm was going to come. But then one of, the, one of the biggest questions, one of the biggest things that I've been thinking in this, whole, uh, in this whole story that I kept coming back to again and again was this. Why, how, how could this storm even happen to these people? How could this storm even happen? Because these are the disciples, okay, and they are following, they, they are following the instruction of Jesus. They are obediently following what Jesus commands them to do. Jesus says, uh, Jesus says get in the boat. They get in the boat. And, 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 and so they're following Jesus. They're obedient followers of Christ. And yet, regardless of, of that fact, this storm still happens. This weather condition still happens. Not only that, but Jesus is actually right, literally in the boat with them at the time. And yet this storm happens. I don't know about you, but I've always thought that, that perhaps there should be like a holy force field around Jesus. You know, like wherever he goes when he, was, when he was physically walking the earth, wherever he goes, you know, sort of a, a bit of a radius around Jesus, all things would be well. You know, there's no wasps or spiders or anything, no nuisances like that. It's all just sunshine, lollipops and daisies around where Jesus is. And, uh, and yet, that's clearly not the case. We see this, this storm appear. We see this storm appear. And don't forget, you know, uh, in this question of, of how does this storm appear, Jesus literally, uh, thousands of years before this, of course, Jesus literally created the earth. John 1.3 says that by all him, that's Jesus, all things were made, including the weather systems. And so we see uh, that even though he created the means by which this storm exists, they still come uh, when he's there. Hmm. It's just something that, uh, that, that I've been thinking about. And I think that, it, that, it's, that it's, it's really quite encouraging for us, or, or, it, or it perhaps helps answer some questions into our own lives, that regardless of our close proximity and regardless of our obedience to Jesus, we are not immune to a storm. 
We are not immune to a storm. Obedience does not make us immune. We live in a fallen and a very broken world. And so we are subject to, uh, to what this world has to offer and what this world has to throw around. And that can be some, some pretty, um, pretty horrible stuff. Do we know that? Some of us know that all too well. All too well. But what happens next in this story is a wonderful illustration of what can happen in our storms. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. It was completely calm. When we face situations, the disciples faced this storm and it was a very real and a very physical, you know, weather storm that was occurring. And, and we can, uh, you know, this is representative or can be representative in our lives of situations and circumstances that we face when we face these storms in our lives. And when we face these storms, there's a few different ways that we can react. And, uh, and as I said before, these men are fishermen, and they're experienced. They know the terrain. They've been on the sea before. And so this likely wasn't their first uh, storm. I was going to say rodeo, but I said it now anyway. This wasn't their first rodeo storm. Uh, and so they would, have been, they would have been used to this. And so in the natural, they could be tempted to try and solve this problem out of their own strength and their own ability. You know, oh, let's take down the sails straight away because the wind will make a mess there. Tie everything down to the deck. And then we'll all huddle in the middle of the boat where there's least movement. And so, you know, we'll try and ride this storm out ourselves and we'll try and get through this storm in our own ability. And I think that in so it's, you know, that, that we, can, we can certainly be guilty of doing that. But this storm, this storm, I believe, was different because this storm, that's not what the disciples did. This storm, you know, might have been uh, the biggest storm that they'd ever faced. It might have been the biggest storm of their lives. They might have just been so exhausted and so tired. You know, previously, before they got on the boat, they've been doing lots of stuff. Jesus had been teaching and preaching all about the place. <clears throat> lots of walking, fairly exhausting. So they, they, they might just be tired. Or it might be a big storm that they're facing. But either way, something is different this time. Something is different this time. They turn to Jesus. And they turn to Jesus... But Jesus was asleep. Jesus was asleep. And actually in, in Mark, again, where, where it's recording the same story, Mark 38 says Jesus was in the stern, so he's at the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. So he's okay. He's comfortable. Can you imagine the panic that would ensue around this time, you know, when the disciples, they're getting, uh, they're getting chucked around by this big storm, waves are coming over the side, they're not sure what to do, it's all a terrible uh, chaos. They look to Jesus and he's just asleep. He's just asleep. How many times, how many times, if we're being honest, can we say that we've been in a situation where we're getting mullered by a storm and it seems as if Jesus is asleep? And the disciples, the disciples' reaction to this is, it's actually recorded twice again, Mark and Matthew. <clears throat> Matthew uh, records the disciples as saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. But the same story recorded in Mark says, the disciples said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I wonder if you've ever, ever been, been in a situation where it feels like you're drowning. 
and it feels like the waves are coming over the side of the boat and the, the ship's going down and you turn to Jesus and he seems to be asleep and you ask yourself the question, does he even care? Because I know for me, I have. I know for me, I have. In fact, there is a promise from, from God. There's a promise from Jesus. <clears throat> he, says, uh, he says, I have said, this is in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, because in the world you will have tribulation. It's almost a promise. It's almost a certainty from God that we will face these storms. Tribulations are a certainty. They are a certainty of what we will face. And this, the, the, the disciples' sentiment in this storm that they're facing of don't you care is very familiar to me because I know that I've had a similar sentiment in the past. On multiple occasions when I'm facing a situation in my life and I'm just saying, Jesus, don't you even care about me? Don't you care about what is happening in my life? Don't you care about this storm that I'm going through? God, don't you care? Don't you care? This is a huge question that the disciples are asking because they're not really questioning his ability. They're actually questioning his character. They're questioning his nature. They're saying, God, you could do something, but you're not. You could do something, but you're not. And so in this, in this panic, as, you know, as I say, Matthew records the disciples saying, Lord, save us. Mark records the disciples saying, Lord, don't you care? And so I surmise that in this, in this um, uh, moment of time, uh, there's, there's a chaos. Okay? There's a chaos in the storm. And some of the, some of the disciples are shouting, Lord, save us. Some of the disciples are saying, Lord, don't you care? Uh, it's not one voice. It's, it's probably a chaos. Lots of shouting. You know, the waves are coming in. It's a, it's a, it's a chaotic scene. Chaotic scene. And in our situation where we're asking, Lord, don't you care? Lord, save us. And Jesus says back to us, yes, of course I care. I've already saved you. And sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but of course that is where the element of faith comes in. Isn't it? Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. So I'm not, um, I, I hope that Jesus cares and therefore I'm sure. And I'm certain that I'm saved. And this is where faith comes in, and that is much easier said than done, church. Yeah. Much easier said than done. So we see this, we see this situation, we're in the storm, uh, the disciples are, 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 you know, really panicking. We see Jesus is asleep. So Jesus, Jesus doesn't uh, seem to be phased by the storm, and, uh, and, and, and this is an interesting point. He's managing to sleep through something. I don't know if, if there are any heavy sleepers in this place where you can sleep. You know, this boat is getting rocked around. This is, this is not, you know, it's, it's not a gentle sway. You know, I can fall asleep in the back of a car. Well, the front of a car. No, that's not true. Uh, I can fall asleep in the back of a car really very easily, and it's nice. But this isn't a nice, soothing uh, scenario. This is being brutally battered by waves, and yet Jesus is asleep. How odd. Why is Jesus so unfazed? Why is Jesus seemingly so uh, um, 
uninterested or unbothered such that the disciples would ask of him, Lord, don't you even care? And the answer is this. Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Jesus is the one that existed before the storm. Jesus is the one that spoke the world into creation. He knew the storm. He knew the winds and the waves would obey because he is God. He knew what he knew. He knew who he was, and he knew who the wind and the waves were, and he knew where the authority in this situation <coughs> lay. The storm doesn't keep Jesus away because he knows that it, it submits to him. And so I think this whole story as a whole is really quite encouraging. And often, often the, the, the story of Jesus calming the storm is a nice picture for us. It's a nice picture that we can pick up and we can take away. And we can say that whilst we're not immune to storms, regardless of our faith and regardless of our, our proximity to Jesus, we're still going to experience storms. We're not immune to them. But regardless of that fact, Jesus is in the boat with us. And Jesus isn't phased by the storm. Jesus is seemingly at peace, and so we can be too. And so this is a nice little package that we can pick up and take away, and that can be the sermon for today, <clears throat> that Jesus is with us in the storm. And I believe that that is true. But I don't believe that that is the purpose of this story in the Bible. And I actually believe that the purpose of the story in the Bible, which can go and missed if we're not careful, is actually uh, far more important than the fact that Jesus is with us in the storm. <clears throat> the main miracle is the miracle that happened next. The main miracle is not that Jesus calmed the storm. <sighs> the, the main miracle is, is found in the reaction of the disciples. It says this in uh, 8.27. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. <clears throat> there's another uh, famous storm in the Bible. There's actually, uh, there's actually a few, but, but there's, there's one in particular. There's a famous storm. And the, the famous storm in the Old Testament of the Bible to which I'm referring actually uh, plays a big part in uh, the main miracle of this, um, of this scene on the boat. And it's a, it's a story in, in Jonah uh, where we see a, a big storm in Jonah, okay? Excuse me. Jonah is, uh, is, is, is fleeing from God. Okay, God's asked him to, to do something. He's asked him to go somewhere, and Jonah decides he's going to flee from God. So he gets on a ship, and then God calls up a, a furious storm <clears throat> to attack this ship. And then, uh, and then uh, after Jonah submits to God, Jonah, uh, the, the storm then becomes calm. God then calms the storm. <clears throat> And so when the disciples ask this question in the boat, who is this? What do they say? <clears throat> what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. They're actually asking that in context. It's a loaded question. Even the winds and the waves obey him. We've seen this before. We've read about this before. But last time the wind and the waves obeyed, they obeyed God. And so suddenly we're in this situation where the disciples are actually not only they, they haven't they've not only experienced uh, Jesus's power.
power, but they've also got a glimpse of Jesus' identity because God controls the storms. <clears throat> the disciples already knew that Jesus was the Messiah. They already knew that he was the one that they'd been waiting for throughout Jewish history. They knew that. That was fairly... I mean, they forgot it a few times, and, you know, there was ups and downs because they were people. But, but, but it was generally, by this point uh, in Jesus' ministry, it was fairly well cemented that he was the Messiah. But at this stage... At this stage, there is a revelation of who Jesus actually is. Only God controls the storms. And this is a, this is a fairly uh, well-established... I mean, you really have to be Jewish uh, to understand the, 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 the full extent, the full connotations of what this means, because only God controls the storms. We'd know that just as, as like, uh, a second nature, as fact, if we were Jewish, um, <clears throat> but we're not. Uh, Psalm 65, 5-8 says, You answer us with awesome and righteous deeds, God our Saviour, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. Only God controls the weather. Only only the, the weather submits only to God. And so in this, in this story, in this, in, this, in this scene in the boat, the disciples are let in on something massive. The identity of Jesus. And this is a greater miracle than the calming of the storm because now the disciples know who Jesus is. And I know you might be, you might be sat here this morning thinking, I know who Jesus is. I know who Jesus is. Jesus, Son of God. But do you really know what you think you know? How much do you actually know that? Uh, this is my challenge. This is a challenge that's come to me, and so I'm sharing it with you because when, when God challenged me on this, he, uh, I didn't feel like it was a challenge just for me. I felt like it was a challenge for us. And so it is a challenge for me, but I believe it's a challenge for us. Do you really know what you think you know? Do you really know who Jesus is? Do you really know who Jesus is? <clears throat> I believe that the, uh, the, the primary concern of Jesus in this boat, the primary concern of, of Jesus in this boat is not the storm. See, Jesus knows that the storm will obey. Okay, he is God. He already knew the thing. He already had the, knew the identity. He knew that the storms would obey. So his primary concern wasn't with the storm. When Jesus was woken up from his little nap, um, he doesn't address the weather first. Have you noticed that? He doesn't address the weather first. See, our primary concern is the storm. That's always our primary concern. That's all we can see. We're fixated on the storm. But Jesus' primary concern wasn't the storm at all. Jesus' primary concern was the disciples' faith. It was the disciples' faith and their understanding of who Jesus is. And when Jesus woke up, he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Jesus is concerned with the faith first, and he will deal with the storm later. And so, so often I think we have it the other way around, and our primary concern is with the storm, and if the storm's sorted, then we'll see to the faith. The storm, you know, if we see that happen, then our faith, that'll, that'll boost our faith. Mm -mm. Jesus deals with the faith first, then he'll deal with the storm. 
And there's a rebuke. It's actually rebuking. Jesus rebukes the disciples. He rebukes the storm, but he actually rebukes the disciples first. And he calls them up on it. He says, you know, you have a little faith. What are you doing? What are you thinking about? And so the disciples are like us in many ways. They're focused on the storm. They're focused on the current situation. They're focused on, on everything that's going wrong. <clears throat> and they're allowing their, their uh, feelings, sorry, their circumstances to dictate their feelings. They're allowing their circumstances to dictate their feelings. Don't forget, up, uh, up until this point, the disciples had seen amazing things. They'd seen Jesus turn water into wine. They'd seen several miraculous healings. <coughs> They'd seen even uh, Jesus raise someone from the dead. They'd seen amazing things. But all that at this point in time was just head knowledge. It didn't actually matter. Because it didn't, it didn't affect how they, uh, how they reacted in their current storm. And so if it's just something you know, yes, I know that Jesus does that. And for us, you know, we, we, we read the stories. We, we, we read the Bible. We hear people's testimonies. But it's just adding to our head knowledge sometimes. It's stuff we know, but we don't really know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> oh, man. <coughs> I believe that Jesus rebuked the disciples not for their lack of faith that, uh, that their current situation wasn't going to be okay. I don't believe God, God rebukes our, our lack of faith in our situation because sometimes our situation is, is, is so dire that I don't believe that God can realistically uh, rebuke us for thinking that the situation is going to be bad. But I believe that Jesus rebuked the disciples, um, the disciples' lack of faith in who he was when they said to Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? about our situations don't you care about me don't you care about what it is that I'm going through I believe that is the reason that Jesus rebuked the disciples because they questioned his character they questioned his nature they questioned who he was whether, whether they cared and, and, and again this is so familiar to me this is so familiar to me because so many times, not well, so many times, I'm not that bad, but often I've been in a situation where I've had to ask these questions. I've had to make these demands of God. God, do you care about me? <laughs> There's a... Uh, and so much to, uh, to take away from this, from this story. You know what? Um, um, this, this message this morning is, is, is really very fresh for me. It's really very fresh. And, um, <clears throat> and I'm not really sure in what direction the Holy Spirit wants this message to go this morning. And so, because I had a plan, you know, I had a plan. And I'm just not sure it's the right plan. I'm just not sure. Anyway, there's so much. There's so much that we can take away uh, from this from this story. And there's so many, so many different ways that we can apply this story to our lives when we're going through our storm, when we're going through our situation, when we're going through our circumstances. 
when we're talking about the medical results that have come back unfavorably. That's a storm. And when we're talking about, you know, the, the, the crippling anxiety that we're carrying around with us. When we're talking about the relationship breakdown that just won't let up. When we're talking about the financial ruin that we're facing. All these things are real life storms that we, that we face. That we face. But it's only when we give these storms to Jesus, when we turn to Jesus... And we give these storms to him that we see who Jesus really is in that situation. And I don't want to preach a message here this morning that says that Jesus calms all the storms. And I think that can be preached from a platform similar to this often. And we can use the, the, the story of Jesus calming the storm to say, hey, look, Jesus is going to calm all your storms. I don't believe that's true. And I don't want to, uh, to, you know, to, to, uh, to put a downer on things, uh, church, but what I do want to do is give a realistic expectation of where we're at. Because the reality is, is that Jesus doesn't calm all the storms. It's actually in the Bible. There's a, there's a story in uh, Acts where Paul is, um, uh, Paul is traveling around and uh, his, his boat comes under a significant uh, storm that's life-threatening. And, uh, and actually an angel uh, visits Paul. And, uh, and the angel says, yeah, the storm's going to carry on. You better run aground. Uh, that's the, probably the best thing to do. Um, storm's just going to carry on. It'll blow itself out, but we're not stopping it. Jesus doesn't calm all the storms. And if we kid ourselves into thinking that he does, then we're going to be left disappointed. But the miracle isn't in Jesus calming the storm. The miracle is in when we hand the storm over to Jesus, we get to see who he is. And this is the thing that we need to, that, that we as a church need to, need to get, a, get a hold of. This is because, because it's in the revelation of who Jesus is that things are going to change and things are going to move. And I don't want to preach false stuff to you because it's not helpful. I'd love to, I, honestly, honestly, it would be so much easier if this book told me to tell you that everything's all going to be okay and that the storms are all going to be stopped doesn't say that doesn't say that but what it does say what it does say it does reveal who jesus is you know i've gone all all off totally i don't even know what these pieces of paper mean anymore it would have been so much easier if i could just read through this wouldn't that be easier yes it certainly would for me it certainly would for me <laughs> but Jesus doesn't calm all our storms. See, he's not, he's not a genie. <clears throat> he's not my genie, you know, that grants my wishes. He's my God whom I serve. And, uh, and his ways are higher than my ways, and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So while it might, may seem to me that this storm should be calmed, that seems obvious to me. Come on, don't you care about my situation, God? Don't you care what I'm going through here? It seems to me that this storm should be calmed. But that's where the faith comes in because his ways are higher and his thoughts are higher. And that's really, really difficult for us as people, as individuals to accept. But I believe that's where we are. I believe that's where we are. And so I think, I believe, my, my thought is this. Um, I believe that there are things, there are storms that needed to be handed over to God this morning. This morning. There are things going on in people's lives that need to be handed over to us, uh, to, to Jesus this morning, laid at the feet of Jesus. Holly, can you? 
And, and so what we're going to do is, is we're going to do what's called an altar call. Um, and, uh, and that in the Church of England used to mean that you come to the altar because they used to have altars and, and it represented really the uh, uh, presence of God. I mean, it kind of didn't, but, but anyway. Um, uh, but we're going we're gonna to have an altar call because there are some storms in this room. There are some storms represented by people in this room that need to be laid at the, f- at the foot of Jesus, at the cross, laid at the foot of the cross. They need to be handed over to God. And God may calm those storms, and, and we will pray that he does. But if, if he doesn't, we'll still have a revelation of who Jesus is, and that is the main miracle. There's a, um, there's a passage in Daniel where the chaps are, um, they're, they're looking at a fire. They're, they're about to go into a fiery furnace be, being uh, put in there by um, King Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, <clears throat> and, and, and the, chaps, the chaps say this to the king, if we are thrown into the burning furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. And this is the kind of faith that we need as a church. God will calm our storms. That's the faith. But even if he doesn't, we will continue to serve the Lord anyway. <clears throat> so often we can allow our situations and our circumstances and how we see God uh, uh, deal with them or seemingly not deal with them. We can allow this to, uh, to, to we can allow these feelings to define uh, who we are. And we feel as if God doesn't care. And we feel as if he might not love us enough to do anything about our situation. But, uh, but sometimes, church, our feelings are wrong. And sometimes in these stormy situations where we're expecting the miracle of the calming of the storm, sometimes when we don't see that, we allow these feelings to determine and to dictate our faith. And we've got it the wrong way around. Because our faith is our faith that we rely on. We can't rely on feelings. Feelings aren't, they're just, just often they just don't help. Our circumstances can define our feelings and our feelings can if we let them define our faith. And then where we find ourselves far from God, and I believe this is a this is a, a, a real um, you know a real sort of uh, a big part of, of why people uh, leave the church, why people walk away from God, or why or why people don't come to, to church in the first place. You know, oh, but if God loved me, if God cared, if God existed, then what about this storm? Mm. But we're just trying to hold. God to a contract that he hasn't signed. God's never said, 
that all the storms will be calm. said that at all and so if you're in this in this room today and there's something that you need to leave at the foot of Jesus at the foot of the cross sorry then I'd invite you to come down because because the best way that I've found that we can hand over our storms to Jesus and in order to, 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 get, to get that fresh revelation of who he is he's on our knees at the foot of the cross in a moment of total surrender Lord save me I'm going to drown so if that's one or two here this morning that's great and if it's no one well that's great and if it's no one I'm not going to lie I think there's some liars because I'm going to turn this mic off and I'm going to I'm going to do that myself wouldn't it to to have Jesus always in the boat on the storm this week I remember saying to Jesus when I was contemplating such things as heart bypasses Lord if you were only here right now so I could speak to you and he said Paul but I am and if I was here right now there'd be a billion other people who wanted a touch from me or speak to me, but I am here. Jesus said to the disciples that he had to go. He had to ascend to heaven so the Comforter would come. The Holy Spirit would come. And for all those here, 
all those in this world who have accepted Jesus as their Saviour and Lord, the Holy Spirit is with you right now and inside you. He dwells within you. This is God, this is Jesus, and He dwells within you. The storm you go through, you are never alone. Don't anybody kid you that the Holy Spirit ever leaves you. It's not possible. He is always with you and he is always going through everything with you. As Dom said, you know, you can turn around and say, you don't hear me, you don't listen, you don't care. Of course he does. He's inside of you, he's with you, he dwells within you. Every thought, every word, the Holy Spirit hears, God hears. So don't ever kid yourself that you're alone because you're not. And what Jesus said to me the other night when I was talking to him was, you know, you think you know, because it's gone now, but you thought you knew what you knew. So why are you walking alone? You're not. You have me with you always. And all those who've come down this morning, I don't know where Dom was going. Sorry, Dom, if I've jumped in, but... He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He will take you through to the other side. There is always another side. The storm will pass, whatever it is. And he's going to take you through it. He doesn't watch from a distance. He's there, right in it, right with you. from Job that I really felt God was putting on my heart listening to Dom speak and just really feeling what the Holy Spirit's doing and uh, some of you will be familiar what happened to Job he had everything taken from him his children were killed his livestock was taken from him his livelihood was taken he ended up lying in the dust with absolutely nothing absolutely nothing apart from his faith and he sat there I think it was 30 days I can't remember exactly he sat there and his friends came and they weren't helpful And he just sat there and he waited for God. And it must have felt like a lifetime. But eventually God spoke to him and he said this. This is in Job 40. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you're right? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right, put on your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty. Give vent to your anger. Let it overflow against the proud. Humiliate the proud with a glance. Walk on the wicked where they stand. Bury them in the dust. Imprison them in the world of the dead. Then even I would praise you, for your own strength would save you. Take a look at the behemoth, which I made just as I made you. It eats grass like an ox. See its powerful loins and the muscles of its belly. Its tail is as strong as a cedar. Its sinews of its thighs are knit together, tightly together. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are bars of iron. It's a prime example of God's handiwork. And only its creator can threaten it. 
The mountains offer it their best food, where all the wild animals play. It lies under the lotus plants, hidden by the reeds in the marsh. The lotus plants give it shade among the willows beside the stream. And this goes on, and God just speaks, and he says, I made the waves, and I said how far they will go and no further. And he keeps saying, and he keeps speaking, and he reminds Job of who he is. And that it is God's strength that delivers Job in the end. It's not Job himself. And I think this morning we need a reminder of that. Such powerful words. In the end, Job says, I'll put my hand over my mouth. I have no more to say. I know who you are. I think it's just echoing that God is with us and he is more powerful than we'll ever know. And it's knowing that in our heart, that even though we're in these storms, he is with us and he can deliver us. And we've got to trust his bigger plan. So God, I just want to pray that that will, that people will know that in their hearts this morning. I thank you for Dom and his word. And I just, I thank you for the work you're doing. And I just pray for those that need you in their storm, that they will just sit and they will wait for you to speak to them and know that, that you will speak to them and that you are their strength. I thank you that we can do nothing without you. Amen. Come to me, all who are weary, weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light church we're not pack horses we're not designed to carry a uh, seemingly unlimited load we lay our burdens at the cross and we exchange them we exchange our heavy burden for his burden his burden is light. We put our storm into his hands and see what he does with it. See what he does with it. I think <clears throat> I think it's really important that we grasp this, that we grasp this, that we really see who Jesus is. Not just head knowledge stuff, as, as, as we've said, but as heart knowledge, stuff that we know in our very being, stuff that we know we know. Jesus' mission when he crossed the sea, we've talked about the storm, we've talked about him calming the storm, we've talked about the, the fact that the true, the true miracle in this whole scenario is the revelation of who Jesus is. But Jesus actually got into the boat on one side of the lake with his disciples with a plan to cross the lake and get to the other side. Because what happened on the other side was a scary thing. They only did one thing uh, on the other side of the lake before, before they then went back again. And on the other side of the lake, what happened was uh, they found a man, Jesus uh, found a man who was, um, who was possessed by demons. Um, and this man was, uh, was, was a, a very scary man and, and the locals had sort of tried to chain him down and no one, no one would go near him because uh, it was a scary situation. He had pure evil inside him, pure darkness inside him. And so Jesus' mission uh, when he crossed the sea was to go to this man. 
and to release this man from, uh, from where he was. To cast out uh, the demon from this man. To cast away darkness from this man. And to instead bring light and restoration. That was Jesus' mission. And so I had this, this, this revelation that Jesus, Jesus didn't actually even come to calm storms. Jesus came to save souls. And that was the true mission of the crossing in the first place. But it's really important that the storm happened. Because in the storm, when they were on the crossing, the disciples learned who Jesus was. And without, without that revelation in the storm, when they got to the other side, would they have been able to accompany Jesus into the presence of this demon-possessed individual? Would they have been able to accompany Jesus on his mission to, uh, to, cast, to cast out darkness and to instead usher in light? Would they have been able? Would they have been willing or would they have been scared? Unless we have a revelation of who Jesus is, I don't believe we're going to be equipped to go on the mission that he has for us. It's only by knowing who Jesus is that we can have full confidence in him. And so we need the kind of faith that actually is only built in storms anyway. It's a, a real encouragement when God revealed that to me this week. And I think the difference between what we know in our heads and what we know in our hearts what we truly know is how we see it out working. It's how we see it out working. See, if we have the confidence in who Jesus is, then, <clears throat> then we won't worry. If we understand that Jesus has overcome the world, we walk with a confidence that, that knows of that. When we truly know that we know that he works all things out for the good of those that love him, we worry less. It doesn't mean he calms every storm, but it does mean that everything will work out for the, uh, for the good of those that love him. And when we truly know who Jesus is, that he provides for the birds in the sky, so how much more does he provide for you, then we don't get anxious about provision. And when we truly know who is in the boat with us, we put our storms into his hands and we experience the revelation of who Jesus is. And why? Why is that bit so important? Why do we even really need to know who Jesus is? When Jesus came from the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they reply. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. That's head knowledge. But by my Father in heaven. That's heart knowledge. 
And I tell you that you are Simon Peter. And on this rock, on this rock, on this revelation of who Jesus is, of this true understanding of Jesus' identity, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. On this revelation, on this understanding of who Jesus is, the, the understanding that we only really gain through a storm, he will build his church. Do we want to be a part of that church? Do we want to be a part of the church that Jesus is building in Newark? to see darkness cast out of this place like on the other side of the lake church are we going to be too scared to see what's on the other side of the lake do we want to see a time that dark, the light will reign in newark do we want to see captives set free in newark do we want to see chains be broken in newark ultimately church do we want to see the church of jesus christ built in newark do we want to be a part of that understanding of who Jesus is and so I'm not scared of the storms I'm not scared of the storms consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds why why because that is where the faith is built the faith that is required to understand who Jesus is and to be a part of building his church in Newark and that's where we're a part of. why don't we stand church we're going to praise the name That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.